Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 80. That actually sounded pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that bad, right? It's yeah. kind of a way to work it around. And the iPhone, seriously, the iPhone 7 and up, I, I mean, the, 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 the speakers are amazing. So those of you joining us from your car right now or your jog or your dishes or whatever you're doing today and you're decided to multitask it with us in your ear, hey, how's it going? You don't know what we're talking about. With Mm. all that sounds good, Brendan started talking about the town and good. We're live on Facebook at 1045 at night. We're doing a tech test and the tech test is fun to say. Tech test. (laughs) And we're testing out using this nice new Walmart you know, cheap 100 something dollar TV. Yeah, and we're doing a live broadcast on Facebook and hoping to yeah, block the brand. <laughs> he just moved a battery endorse, in front of the brand in front of the TV. Brand. So here we are on live. Kathy joined, Harry joined, Jeffrey joined, Rob joined. Wow. And where are you guys all joining us from? Put, put it in there in the comments. I'm curious where you guys are posting from. What's up, dudes? Raymond Leba. Hey, man. Hey, Raymond. So we are live right now for another podcast. And we yeah. are hoping to do one of these a month that's free but patrons we think it'd be cool if we did video podcasts regularly for you guys something else something idea. to give you that allows us one an awesome edit i don't edit these at all it's mm-hmm. just from start to end that's the whole podcast and so episode 80 we're doing a Q&A segment we're doing live a tech test and talking about some untold stories from previous adventures so yeah, yeah gonna have some fun in episode 80 and enjoy talking fresno endor oh rob you're an endor awesome kathy's in chicago david's out in fresno i was near fresno i went to modesto went to los banos and drove over to monterey because i just spent the last six days over in monterey where i went to school went to monterey peninsula college and middlebury institute of international studies and enjoyed my time out there so i wanted to go see it enjoy the beach go to carmel it was awesome you can't probably tell. Can you? You can tell that I have a sunburned face, right, or a mostly sunburned mm, face. It does look like you got some sun for sure. A little yeah. darker. Mm-hmm. I was on body boards, hanging out with teenagers and little kids who were bodyboarding next to me, and you know, just I'm the big dude who's 30 years old <laughs> who's out there on a bodyboard. But I love it. I have never learned how to surf, and bodyboarding is something that I've always loved doing. It's and still so fun. Oh, I did it as a so kid. I loved fun. it. I'd do it again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I have yeah. a bodyboard I bought from Costco. It's in the car. Nice. But uh, it's nice. fantastic to go. I went out there, enjoyed it. Hey, Samir. Samir joined us. Awesome. Hey, awesome. hey, ma'am. So episode 80, first things first, we want to talk about some of the fun announcements. And if you haven't noticed it yet, Photog Adventures has changed the logo. No, I'm just kidding. We haven't changed the logo. We are featured on a Ukrainian television show. Oh, my gads. Explain yeah, for those okay. who didn't hear the podcast what this is. So a Ukrainian television show emailed Aaron a couple months ago and asked if we'd be interested in helping them uh, host one of the guys uh, on their show. And what their program is, the program is takes it takes a couple, two people, and they split them up, and one gets like a nice vacation, and one gets the dirt poor vacation. And so <laughs> I think one gets poor. I think one gets like a hundred bucks to travel and use <laughs> for his vacation, and the other one gets like. 
ten thousand, or it's like unlimited, or something. Which it's is like, why you're seeing the price right there on the TV screen if you're on yeah, Facebook so Live. And Raymond's uh, coming at us from San Bernardino. Hey, Raymond, you're enjoying the same sun <clears throat> that I just enjoyed. So yeah, so uh, this is the poor guy. I was hoping we'd get the rich. I, th- I was hoping we'd get the rich person so they could, you know, pay us <laughs> Their to do the episode. Their budget was but huge. Yeah, you anyways. guys get twenty thousand dollars for doing this. <laughs> hey, so Samir. he's. This is his dinner. Is a tea for a dollar for two two dollars and seventy five cents, and. Uh, this is where he meets us. So anyways, uh, we'll show you the clip. And uh, the, the, the television show is based in Ukraine, but they broadcast to about, he said, about 60 million viewers every yeah, week. Yeah, it's nuts. So they have a huge viewership that they broadcast this show to uh, normal television broadcast. And then about a couple weeks later after the broadcast, they put it on their YouTube channel, which is where it's at now. And so we've had a ton of Instagram love coming from from Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, from their it has viewership. been awesome. Yeah. And must be Instagram love only because I haven't noticed a huge uptick or anything different in on the, YouTube on the YouTube channel. Oh, okay. But I mean, I might check it out while we're out here because our YouTube channel, guys, you have been very generous. And those of you who told other people about it or just something's happening because... In the beginning of time, Photog Adventures time, we were up to finally what, like 300, 400 by from September to March of 2016. Yeah, it took us forever to get March of 2017. It took us forever to get subscribers. Like the first yeah. 600 seemed like forever. Oh boy. And we were celebrating every 100. Right. N- from September to March, we were at 400 something. And now we're getting over 500 subscribers every month. Which is nuts. So nuts. Every other month, another it's thousand subscribers are added. We're going to yeah. get to 10,000, man. We're going to get to 10,000 this year. It's going to so be awesome. Excited about that. <laughs> I got to reach across the whole table to do that. <laughs> Because I, I didn't give you much mic. help with my <laughs> little dinosaurs for X arms. And I'm up again. I don't have a chair. So if you guys see me uncomfortably standing up and stretching, it's because I don't have a chair. Yeah, he uh, brought one stool. I have one stool I'm for on Brendan. It. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome, my friend. I get the stool. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so these guys are awesome. Those of you who are joining us live are seeing it play in the background now. And it's just, we talk about this crazy scenario where- we'll play. Yeah, Please it's, play. It's really thinking it over about playing. In fa- okay. Whoa, there we go. And this whole like stage scene of- well, these guys are working on videos and pictures, and check it out. I'll talk to them. And so are you guys photographers? Yeah. Yeah, we're photographers. And every time they subtitle what I say, they call me Brandon. Even though right there it says, Aaron, sure, go ahead. At least I think. And <laughs> oh my gosh, that was such fun to do and go through with them. Yeah. It, it was crazy because Brandon and I spent most of the time sitting there waiting for them to tell us it's okay for us to talk again. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept talking in Russian at the camera and repeating lines, and we weren't sure if we should be looking at the camera or not. I would just pretend. <laughs> I love that picture of you. I would just pretend that I was agreeing with what he was saying, even though I don't speak a look of Russian. Like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, that sounds At-lishna. cool. Yeah, and I'd At-lishna. smile and nod, and they hopefully like that. <laughs> So this was a really fun project to do, and it's awesome that it's live now. They said it'd be in a few months, and I guess it was really two months, like one two month months. and a half. I guess it was a few months still. Yeah. Man, yeah. life is going by fast. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow oh, yeah. is June 1st. Yeah. Oh, it's cats. insane. Here comes the graphic with your car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. So this isn't his car. This is actually um, you give, you give you. It's not his either. Oh, they, did they rent it? No, Is it's it a part of earlier in the episode where they talk about where he got this. Someone oh. lent, loaned it to him since he only had $100. So here Someone comes the graphics, and they use my car and his car. It's hilarious. Going up from Moab to Green River and back yeah. down to Goblin Valley. That's awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just love that they went back later and got daytime footage of Goblin Valley because Wait, they had like they used, to. It looked like they spelled my name correctly there for a second. Did they have it as Brendan for a it's, moment? It looked like it, yeah. Ooh, awesome. I wonder if their autocorrect kept forcing it to be Brandon or something. Maybe, so. and I wouldn't be surprised. Plus, Or you know, it could be YouTube's... Uh, precisely. Mm. This isn't them as much as it's YouTube's translation. Yeah, that's probably what the difference is And there. so it's not like it's their fault it's necessarily. It's Google's fault. Walking down in there, we had moved the lights over and over again. So mm-hmm. to keep this podcast interesting, for those of you not watching the video side, we'll try and keep this... Uh, the, you know, auditory and telling stories through our voice and not just <laughs> pointing at things on the screen, but it's hard not to as we watch this. But it's been an interesting adventure in Photog Adventures. And with the chance of hitting number 80, we wanted to hit a Q&A. Yeah, we wanted to yeah. do our first Q&A segment ever. And then we're also going to talk about some untold stories from our last adventure and go into some of the gear time stuff that's part of the Q&A because we had some questions brought up. And so... First, let me answer the question of Astrophotog. Where is it and will it come back? Yes. Kurt Kies, we announced as a part of Photog Adventures now, as well as Rob Bryan. And Kurt Kies is helping me with Astrophotog. And the way he's helping me is with a really cool spreadsheet that is going to give us the information for everyone on the on the Photog Adventures. Uh, uh, everyone who goes to the photogadventures.com site, they'll see the information there. The problem with Astrophotog Primer in the past is that I'm telling a lot of information and a lot of it's just very similar minus an hour difference. Instead of saying 11 p.m., it's a 12 o'clock over in this country. Instead of a 12 o'clock, it's 3 a.m. in that country. And so you're saying the same thing over and over again, which just a little bit of numbers changed, and it all whizzes past your ear so fast you can't follow it. And so what you have to do to simplify that is I'm going to talk about that week. Basically, worldwide, we have the same moon. And so that's the same kind of Milky Way opportunity with that moon. Mm-hmm. We have the same opportunity of... Will the Milky Way be blocked throughout the whole week? No. These days are the best days. Everyone in the world has this best possible day for the week, and it gets harder towards the weekend, or it gets harder towards the beginning of the week and wait towards the weekend. Stuff like that Mm. will be my advice given in the Astro Primer. Be snappy. Talk about the Aquarids or the Eta Aquarids or all the different, you know, meteor showers that are happening and quick tips on what planets are up. And if you want to capture a shot with all five planets, you know, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, all visible at one time, is it possible? Things like that will be my announcement in the Astro Primer. I'll keep it short. And like Rob said, they get hard to keep track of. It's very hard to keep track of. And so what you have to do, you want me to flip this off? Let's that out now. Just, yep. Yeah, let's just pause it. Pause that, and I replayed it. And it was it. freezing, yeah. It was cold out there. Yeah, it was, but it was funny how he faked <laughs> that whole thing, you know. He stood there, recorded himself shimmer and shake, yeah. and then they did another one, and they changed the time to like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. We were out of there by 5 a.m. Yeah. And we went up to the car and slept while we let things go for We left the time lapse going. They were out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's It's TV. Yep, it's TV. It was fun. <laughs> so the Astro Primers are going to be much quicker, much easier to digest, and then I'll be pointing you guys to the photogadventures.com website to check out the you know grid, the key, the your information for your area. You can quickly check it and say, oh, okay, here's my times, blah, 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 blah. I want to make it a resource for you on photogadventures.com, and those of you absolutely interested in it can go find it, and those of you quasi-interested don't have to hear everything. So Astro Primer, still going to happen. Monday, it'll be back. Monday, absolutely Monday, it'll be back. We just had a full moon, and so it was one of those mm-hmm. weeks that were tight. And coming up on Monday, it'll be probably it'll probably be great every night, but I have to check it to make sure. Now, isn't this month coming up a month that there's 
a really wide amount of Milky Way opportunity. Like there's like 23. I remember reading something on on Instagram that Silk is doing a contest for as many Milky Ways. They said there's 23 days this month that you can potentially get the Milky Way. And if you can go, there's a competition. Oh, is it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Maybe they don't understand that it is because you're going to get 10 minutes. Okay, so maybe they're just, the maybe they're just, so maybe they're just saying this month you've got 23 days. June doing is a competition. fantastic. Who's they're, Silk? Silk Milk? S- no, Silk. No. You said the, Silk. It's it's a Silk uh, tripod company. Oh, okay. So, um, the I'm Silk hope, Milk I'm company. hoping that they have better stuff Milky because Way, milk, but they're giving yeah. away a Star Tracker too. So if you go on Instagram what? and you can look at the competition, if you do all 23 days, then you could possibly win the competition and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. Um, so it's the silk, um, silk something tripod company. So, okay. Yeah. Well then I don't know. Sorry. I'm half detailed, but <laughs> we'll have to find a link yeah. and put it in the podcast show notes. Yeah. So you can check it out, but there's almost always more than 21 days a month to get out there. As long as it's during the season when the Milky way is up from Astro twilight, basically when full darkness begins, yeah. if the Milky way core is already above the horizon, it's there visible until astronomical twilight begins in the dawn. And okay. so you have opportunities every night of the week, except for just three nights before full moon and three nights after full moon that are usually covering your entire window. Ah, right, right. But for the most part, you can almost always get a Milky Way. So we'll be talking about that in the Astral Primer and get that stuff back out there. I'm excited. Oh, Tracy Lee is doing the competition, David Hunter says. She is part of it. I don't know if she's- actually behind part of it or she's competing in it. I don't know because I saw that she was um, in there as well when I looked at the thing and I don't know if she's- ambassador for it or promoting it or she's doing she's she's involved somehow which is cool so right on yeah it's like Rhonda joined she didn't fall asleep awesome you said you were a late night owl so uh you're night owl like myself so hey Rhonda all right welcome to join so here we go let's talk about some of the other Q&A that came through Brendan and I'm gonna hit okay. you up with something okay I just need to pull up the other questions but I know off the top of my head that Kirk Kai has asked us Right now, with all the places that we have gone, is there anywhere that we have gone and done photography that we thought, you know what, I'm never coming back here. There's no reason to. Can you think of any place like that? Maybe Notch Peak. Yeah, why? Although, I want to go back, but uh, maybe not. So Notch Peak was our first adventure out together, to actually go out together, do Milky Way, record it, do it video. for a whole weekend. We didn't actually have video back then. We were just nope. going to go and do no. a podcast about it, right? Yep. And so um, the video came in later and we got the GoPros for the next adventure, but we did do a short segment with his camera. He re- recorded us going to these solar rooms we found out by Delta, which is really cool. So that was our first official YouTube video. It was our first official uh, track, and I did a time lapse out there. Notch Peak was so big, like the mountain was so huge that we were, we, it's almost like we need to go up higher on the mountain and then light paint it. We didn't light paint it. It was this huge giant silhouette taking up most of the frame. The Milky Way animation that I got going over it was cool, but it was grainy. It was my first time. It was like not that great. And so comes to my mind, that's probably the first place I think of like not that excited to go back to. But now that I think about it, I think it'd be kind of cool to go hike higher up on the mountain and camp at the top all the way to the, the saddle up there at the either peak. all the way to the saddle or something or maybe halfway point where we can actually light paint the saddle maybe or do something right. and light it now that we have more experience i would like to go back and try that place but right off the bat i'd say no i'd rather go yeah. to the bristlecone pines or go further out you know um in that great basin area so hmm, okay so what would be mine i mean 
when you think about it from a Milky Way perspective or a landscape photography perspective or an adventure. Mm. So when I think about from a landscape photography perspective, I wouldn't go out to, I mean, it's kind of crazy for me to say this, but I wouldn't necessarily make the Catalina Island, not the Catalina Island, um, the uh, Channel Islands as landscape photography opportunity. Mm. It's interesting, but the most interesting subjects are usually down below you, at least on the San Juan Island. That was San Juan or San Marino? San, no, it was... Uh, what was that island that we went was to? Was San Jose? No. Santa mm. something? Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz? I think so. I think, I think it was Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz Island. Yeah. And that one, at least the places that we went on a day trip, I just wouldn't go without more time. But yeah. it has awesome fox photography. I still love your fox image that you captured yeah. and you just walk right past you. There's such cool wildlife and macro photography that you can capture out there. Oh, yeah. It's just when it comes to like the landscape photography shot, everything kind of drops off in front of you. And then the, the, the land is samey and it's basically a lot of places we can capture just right here in Utah. It wouldn't mm. look like, wow, you went to there, you went to the Channel Islands and saw those. I mean, they weren't uniquely inspiring by themselves the landscapes yeah, but the, areas, the area we went to definitely there were some outcroppings of rocks that we could see coming out of the the ground at a different location that looked like it could have some interest but we just didn't have the time to hike around if you're going to go to santa cruz island i they've got a great campground there i would literally camp for three nights if i were planning they do. on going there and let's do and make that we get a much more then you adventure. can hike around to the other bay which might re- be really cool yeah um and maybe even hike out to the part that the navy is uh, responsible for Up i don't know if they block us well i don't know if it's blocked or if, or if they're just the you if they're just the curators of the area you know what i mean like true like, true like the national parks manages one part of the island and the navy manages the other and so maybe the navy's fine with you walking out there and maybe it's fine they just manage it you know what i mean so yeah i could see that that's what i gotta there's some information i gotta look up because that island is like literally like a third of it is for national parks and the rest of it two-thirds is the navy so that's one thing i want to look into and see if the navy allows us to go i know there's no official campgrounds out there but maybe they don't care. Maybe you can just. What go do you mean? And, there's no official. Oh, no official campgrounds on that side on the of the Navy island. Side, yeah. Gotcha. But right. Um, but maybe they're cool with you hanging a hammock between some trees and chilling for the night. And we yeah, saw that know, map so. that showed the visitor center up on that long hike that goes around the other side of the island mm-hmm. that you can get up to. There's another dock that has mm-hmm. access to. So. So that'll be yeah. fun. We got to try that out. I think if I were to go back for landscape photography, I want to be on the canoes, one of the high kayak trips, or anything mm-hmm. to get out in the water and look up at the cool stuff. Yes. Yes. Be definitely. much more interesting from yeah, there. Yeah. Then when I think about Milky Way, I mean, Milky Way, I think when I think about Milky Way photography that's gone wrong, it's either gone wrong because the foreground's just sort of boring. And yeah, the Milky Way's there, but the Mm. foreground's boring. I really like the potential of that one area out at um, Badwater and Dead you know, up in uh, Death Valley. Yeah. But we weren't at Badwater Cool Geometric Shapes. We weren't mm. over at the Cool Cracks. We were kind of in that in-between. that The cracks and broken up ground was salty and interesting in daylight. But at night, it was really, it looked just like a muddy surface of ocean. And so mm. it didn't have anything terribly interesting to show for the Milky Way, under, under the Milky Way. For that particular spot. And it didn't have yeah. anything about, you know, the light pollution of Las Vegas was out there mm-hmm. and it didn't ruin the Milky Way by any means because it's below it. I just, I wouldn't go back there multiple, multiple times. You know, I'd go to the silo happily before mm. I'd go to that spot again for another Milky Way shot. Mm, okay. But I did like you, that small tree that I found. I would definitely, um, now that I've shot it, I do it a little bit differently, but light painting the tree, I would do differently. And uh, yeah, 
But it was cool. I like the shot in general. You know, it's one of the places that everyone wants to go, and it's awesome, and it's amazing, but I just don't want to go for Milky Way Photography, Mm -hmm. and I've only ever been there at night once. No, twice now. It's arches, and specifically Mm. Delicate Arch. I just don't want to go and fight the massive crowds of people with lights on, lights off, and it's just... Yeah. I prefer these other locations that we have to ourselves. Yeah. Goblin Valley to yeah. ourself is so much more brilliant and more entertaining to be out there and doing photography. Oh yeah, yeah. Than going to place like Arches. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So then let's go to the other question that came through on the Q and A, and I'll go to the very beginning. And we were asked um, about misadventures of your camera equipment, like things that have gone wrong. He wouldn't mind knowing some of the stories about you know what have you done. His first part of the question is a gear time thing that we're going to talk about with all mm-hmm. these lights right here. But actual misadventures of breaking camera gear. Now, we've been lucky. And Pretty lucky, And afraid yeah. to talk about it too much because we're going to get cursed if we talk about <laughs> it too much. But we haven't broken a camera body yet. No. We haven't broken a lens rental. Mm-mm. We haven't dunked anything in water. You dunked. I did. Okay. So tell in that, North Carolina. Tell that short story again. If you guys haven't heard that story yet, <laughs> when we were George, we were visiting George and Roger Younts uh, out in North Carolina, <laughs> and uh, I decided to climb the same side of the waterfall rock that uh, Aaron did, and I was up just fine, but coming down was not so fine. So there was a part of the rock that turned a sharp corner, and I apparently missed that spot. And as I missed that spot, I slipped down that spot, and. Uh, I uh, alerted everybody I'm going down. <laughs> and uh, as I slid down, I uh, I did dunk my camera, but it's a 5D Mark III. It is water uh, tight, and so is uh, the water seal on the back of the Tamron lens that I had in there, also in there. But, uh, but the front of the lens, not so much. So um, we quickly turned it upside down to make sure none of the water slipped in there. But for the most part, the lens cap was... On though, wasn't it? No. Yes, it was. was but I have it? a little tiny hole in oh, my lens cap. Oh, that's what it was. I've got a little tiny hole in the corner of my lens cap, but not a whole lot of water got in there. So uh, once Jordan realized that I was fine, and, that, and he talks about it here, once once he realizes that I was fine, uh, he was so <laughs> mad that he didn't do a wide-angle shot of the waterfall because he would have got me right in frame because he was recording a video of the waterfall as it happened, and I was just barely out of frame. And so... It would have been such a great video if he would have caught me getting that. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. So that's the waterfall there. And uh, if you're watching us live or watching it later, actually, does live save the video later for later viewing or is it just – It does, uh, yeah. Okay, they okay. can watch it later. Okay, cool. So, so if you're hearing this podcast right now in your car, you, you know, can ignore go some to, work or put it on the other screen and other monitor at your desk and watch it. Facebook? Facebook. Right. You go to Photog okay. Adventures page and you'll see us there. So yeah, that's the waterfall I fell in. I was totally dunked. And then we were, I mean, part of the reason I fell in is because we literally had like zero sleep. We had to leave early in the morning to fly out there. And so we get, we got no sleep on the plane. We got no sleep before we left. We flew out there. And as soon as we got out to his place, he's like, let's go to the waterfall. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And we were so tired, exhausted. <laughs> and so don't climb waterfalls. Okay. The only, avoid, the only advice I can get from that is don't climb waterfalls if you have zero sleep. And don't we hold were literally, your camera gear during Literally it. at zero sleep at that point. So that was just dumb. <laughs> but when you have no sleep, you make dumb choices and then dumb things happen. So Right. 
So here's a tough one, and it's going to be, I'm going to put the burden of it on you at first. Okay. And I'm going to find some example images, but uh, I'm so uncomfortable on my feet. This is terrible. Sorry. I'm get a stool. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brendan is asked, we're all asked, by Phil and by Kathy, They she seconded the idea. Talk about pre-processing your frames when you go in and you've got a panorama shot. Not necessarily how you capture it. Say you captured a great panorama. You went out and did the work. You did the panorama work. Boom. You got it. You got the frames. Yes. Now, when you bring it back to Lightroom and you're going to process the images, what are some of the pre-processing you do to those frames before you stitch them together? Ah, and we have differences okay. there. So let's talk about them. Okay. So, yeah. So um, Aaron can talk about the way he does it. I'll talk about the way I do it first, which is uh, apparently different. So <laughs> I take all my raws and I stitch them right out the box. I don't do anything to the images before I stitch them. I, I select the whole group and I make sure everything looks good, stitch it. And then after that final image is stitched, then I do my processing to it. So if I'm going to bring up anything you know, afterwards, changed color temp or all this stuff I do post stitching. So if that, that seems to work really well for me. I mean, I, don't, I literally don't touch a single thing. I let Lightroom do all the work beforehand. And, um, and I know Aaron's workflow is different. I know it's easy to do syncing and stuff like that, but I honestly don't need to uh, do that at all. I think Lightroom does a great job. It keeps the file really large and all the raw data still there. And so when you process it post stitching, it seems to work really well for me. And I spend, uh, I think maybe less time processing it because I don't do have to do anything beforehand. I just do it all at once. Maybe it's the same time because, you know, selecting and syncing is easily, easily achieved too. So, um, yeah. Brain rock. That is a brain rock. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I would like to not learn more Lightroom. Thank you. All the pop-ups yeah. and changes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I've got Lightroom open for those of you who are listening to this only. And don't worry. Um, this wasn't a planned event where I have everything set up really great that you're going to learn from this <laughs> as well as you could from a, you know, a premeditated, pre-designed video. So, we'll make this for our Photog Adventures YouTube channel. And we'll make one that explains my method of stitching. And mm -hmm. I already really have it. You can see all my steps on that Milky Way processing video. Mm. But specifically, what I worry about, and we'll just do this brain rock just because it'll show um, all the steps that I do. Before I stitch, I want to fix the lens. I want to correct my lens oh. um, mm -hmm. warping and everything using the lens profile. And that's easy to do in all my images first. Mm -hmm. And since I do that, I do a couple things that are global. I don't need to. Like Brendan does, once he gets all those together, everything is a very fine, really great raw tiff. And mm -hmm. so you can edit, modify your color correction, then you can, and it works out great. I like to make sure that I do my color correction, my white balance first. So I will go in and down here when you go to the <laughs> one up, the lens correction window, you change your enable profile color corrections and it'll find the lens that you've can, you've used for the shot. Right now, it's really slow as I'm doing all of this on OBS mm. and connecting everything. It's actually impressive, but it's actually not crashing. <laughs> it's not <laughs> crashing right now. So this is showing that I use the Tamron, the Tamron 1530 lens, and it also has a remove chromatic aberration button that I always check just because why not? It never seems to ruin anything mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. I notice any sort of crunching that happens that I don't like. 
I'll always click that remove chromatic aberration. I don't have a reason I never not have, to. Yeah, I, I rarely, rarely have an issue with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I check both of those in the lens corrections, and then my process is to do my white balance right then and there. Phil specifically asks because he gets differences between frames. And mm. Phil, we got to ask you, and I don't believe you're up right now. You're on the East Coast. I don't believe you're joining us live on the show right now. In fact, I haven't looked at your guys' questions. Did you get approached? Oh, you know, I should mention it's slick, not silk. Oh. Slick. S-L-I-K. Oh, it's slick. Name of a company. And I'm now I'm recognizing it as like an outdoor company, right? No, they're tri they make uh camera accessories. Camera accessories. Oh, right. And you said yeah. the tripods and everything. Yeah. So everyone's talking in the chat. Looks like we're good. And Melinda joined us. Hey Melinda. And uh Okay, yeah. Awesome. I haven't had anything missed, it looks like. Okay. So going back to this, I do my white balance, and I do it there because I want to just sync everything to have the exact same white balance. Mm -hmm. And once you do your pano stitch, the white balance up here, what happens is you get it changes, a, right? Yeah. It, instead of a, here's the Kelvin scale from zero to 7,000, I guess 8,000, 9,000. What is it actually? I think it starts at five. 50,000. I think it goes from five to 50,000. It start at like- The lowest number level? is five? 5, oh, are you kidding me? It's taking that long for oh, it's me. It's actually way lower than that. That's crazy. It 2, goes 2,000. So 2,000, okay. very, very blue, all the way up to 50,000 Kelvin scale. Okay. So this is the color Kelvin that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I like to change it here while I still have those numbers. Okay. It's not because I just type in a number. I like it at 3,800 or anything like that. It's not because of that. I just like it. I like it instead of being the plus 100, negative 100 change that you can make okay. after the fact. Okay. But that doesn't hurt because Brendan showed, and as you'll see in his photography, it looks fantastic and it doesn't change anything. Mm. So... What I do is I change my white balance, and then I sync all of that between all the images. They've all been lens corrected. They're all the same lens each time, and the white balance. And, Phil, what we're talking about, is your by chance issue coming from an auto white balance? Yeah, the camera setting itself. I mentioned yeah. I wanted to show some examples, and it was taking a while to pull up on here, but I should have my nulls shot in here somewhere. And my null shot is a good example of I didn't have a set white balance. Because you're shooting in raw, you can change it after the fact. It yeah. doesn't matter what white balance you shoot in. Right. But I would recommend, and Brendan agreed with me, we were talking about this beforehand, 100% consistent white balance. Whatever you choose, whatever Kelvin it is, just shoot every image that way. Yeah. So you can go to your custom Kelvin settings, and I somewhere set it between 3,600 to 4,200, depending on what's going on in the scene. You know, and usually I like it on the bluer side. I usually set it closer to 3,800 or 4,000 when I'm shooting at night. And then I get to remember during the daytime to switch it to sunlight or auto white balance because everything turns out really right. blue when I do my normal landscape. So I'm like, oh, got to go back and set it back. But, <laughs> but when I'm out night at night, it's always a custom Kelvin level and it's usually set around 3,800. And, uh, I think Royce even goes down to 3,600 for some some of his images. I remembered at Mirror Lake, he liked 38, mm -hmm. and he told I did 38 ever since then. Maybe it was 38 then. I'm thinking of, yeah, yeah. But it, none of them are wrong. Nope, because you can always go back and change that, but it, but for consistency's sake and for your sanity's sake, <laughs> yeah. um, go into the custom setting and just set it for you know a level around between 36 and 42, and whatever looks good to you on the back of the screen. And then if you want to warm it up later, you totally can do that. 
but uh, for consistency's sake, it's better just to do that. And not just to be consistent right there on the scene, but every time you go to a new location, if you go back to 3,800 Kelvin, like mine, I'm always 3,800, you kind of, you know what to expect out of your shot. Right, right. And then you notice differences between, oh, it's very green tonight. The air glow is really bright or this. I can recognize these kind of differences because my white balance is always always the same. Yeah. I always have an expectation of X and I see the differences each night and how it turns out. And Brendan, you know, I mean, we have completely different colors of skies that happen depending on the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's nuts. So with, with light pollution especially and clouds mm. that are holding that light pollution in the air, you are going to have, a, if your auto white balance is happening, and that's what I'm hoping is happening for you, Phil, mm. is that you have auto white balance happening. And so when you switch and move over there and it readjusts its white balance, if it just changes a little bit, now you've got something a little more warm, a little more cool mm-hmm. in every different shot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're going to get in there and stitch it and recognize those differences. And I was trying to pull up my Knowles ones. I, you see it the most, all the lines in the sand foreground low 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 light it looked terrible bringing out the shadows everything became more obvious the difference of exposures for each one Mm. because not only was i running around with uh auto auto white balance on that but i think i changed my exposures on the ground versus the upper and so i had sky that had some ground that the panel was stitching together the ground from the top frame and the bottom frame and then they had a completely different look for the sand and it just made it look worse okay that's terrible (laughs) so with white with light pollution make sure you're consistent make sure you have a consistent white balance and then go through it and i ever since i've done that i haven't had any problems yeah It seems to really, my workflow just seems to be really good since uh, doing that too. And you you set your white balance after the fact. I set mine before. Neither of them have their pros and cons. It's all personal preference. Yeah. And because I, and I think I have the freedom to do that because I've got it set to 3,800 or whatever, 36 or whatever. I decided to change it sometimes 4,000, but it's always consistent for that. I never change it in the middle of a pano. And so... Whenever I bring those images in, they all have exactly the same white balance. They all have the same my edits afterwards. So yeah, and I don't know how long ago Rhonda asked this question. Does anyone use a nodal slide to help make pano stitching more efficient? I can tell you that when I used Jeff's camera for the Moab trip earlier this year, he has a nodal slider, and boy, that was amazing. Like the stitching, yes. So yes, Rhonda, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> it helps a ton because just being able to, like, and we were zoomed in to 300 millimeter, 70 to 300. Not Even there. more important in that case. Yeah. And so he was super zoomed in and I just went boop, 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 took the pictures. And when processing it, they were completely, completely crop free. I mean, it was amazing to see how much easier how all the frame I mean, usually I'm cropping something out, right? If you're doing a pano, it's going to be a little bit warped to the top, a little bit warped to the nodal slider. It totally takes the warp out, especially when you're way zoomed in. I like 70 or even 300 when when I did a couple panos with his nodal slider. It was beautiful. Yes, they're crazy expensive, especially the really right stuff. One that he had was amazing though. So uh, I'd say it's probably worth the money after using one myself. Yeah. Just let me warn you about a few reasons to consider it. If you're going to have things in your foreground that you're going to have parallaxing happening, now parallax, look, using my tripod legs, I can kind of show you guys on the video. If I put two legs right down the center line of this table, 
if Brendan were, was stand in front of this to the point to where this leg and that leg were, you know, the front leg was blocking the back leg, you couldn't see the back leg anymore, and he just takes a little bit of an inch step to the right, now he'll see both legs. Mm. He takes a step to the left, he sees them back to being blocked, and then he goes to the left again, a little overlap, and he sees the other leg now, but on the other side. So parallaxing is when two close objects now kind of show a difference in right to left, or they stack right on top of each other, and the silhouettes hide each other. Get, yeah. So what happens is your lens is looking straight at a tree in front and the tree in the back when it's over at the right is visible. But when you look towards the straight center, you start having it go behind that tree and you kind of get this parallaxing that happens and it can cause the stitch to be difficult. Mm. One thing that we find in most of our Milky photography is all of our foreground elements are far enough in front of us that parallaxing just isn't an issue. I have not went across it myself. I haven't done a, uh, pano close enough to an object to really because usually when you do a pano when you consider a pano it's more of a vista it's more of a large area that you're doing right your foreground's kind of small right and so um or your lo- or your background is huge like a big mountain range or something or you when know, you so. think back to Andrew Block's shot out there at Picket Post Mountain, we had cacti. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most opportunity to use a nodal slide for the parallaxing benefit. And even then, didn't I didn't notice anything. But when you look no. at my, when you look in here, I'm going to put my uh, microphone higher so the video you guys can see me stand next to my, gimb- my, tr- my ball head. This guy is fantastic for panos. Why? Because it has the bottom base that I can just rotate right here. Now, if I had the better case scenario, before you'd go for a nodal slide, Rhonda, I would go and get a leveling base. That's going to do more for you and your pano stitching than a nodal slide will for Milky Way photography. Yeah. I was so excited when I I got my (laughs) leveling base. Mine's a Manfrotto leveling base. It has one little lever, and then you can adjust the whole thing, like, a lot. I mean, if you're on a hill, you can straighten that thing out completely. And then I noticed in the last trip we took, and I had it, and I used it, it was so much better. (laughs) Because when I took that thing home, and I took those images home, and and I stitched them, it was so less warpage, and uh, it was just so smooth across the board. It was really cool. And if you look at my very very level right now i mean obviously if i had to change my legs in order to get that to work right. that's a lot more effort than a sl- than a leveling base so mm-hmm. much more effort right the benefit that brendan's talking about is right here as i'm working around i have to do this uh, okay now i do one tier nodal slides or what brendan has is basically a gimbal at that point is helping with multiple row panoramas if I have a single row panorama on this ball head, it's going to be just as easy as a gimbal or nodal slide will be. If I don't care about parallaxing, then I don't have to worry about a nodal slide. Mm-hmm. If you are going to do a multiple tier, though, man, that little gimbal on the nodal slide works fantastic because mm-hmm. now you just switch one little thing, pull it back, and shh, launch everything off. Now, on mine, yeah, I'm doing just fine, but then I have to tilt it back again and do another one, and it, it, it works just fine, and actually I haven't had any problems with it. But when you have something as big as that gimbal, the way you can rotate and r- knock off your panorama just so quickly with right, it, right. it's kind of the difference of... <sighs> It's it's a mechanical difference. It's right. working it's with advantage. the mechanics, yeah, yeah, of the gimbal slash nodal slide right, makes it right. easier to do versus using a ball head where you have one point that you're loosening, moving that ball head around that could go, you know, 360 degrees around the sphere. My motions can make things erratic, but the gimbal keeps things very consistent, yeah. and so it makes it easier. But it's not necessary by any means. No. 
not it's, for Milky Way. Yeah, it's it's for Milky Way. It makes it easier in the fact that you can get it done faster, and you have less movement in the Milky Way, right, which means your pano will stitch better. You'll have less warpage. You know, with my fifty millimeter image, I think I did four stacks, four like four rows high, and like four or five or six across uh, from from um, Devil's Garden last year, and that has some weird warping because of the time that had lapsed and even the um the green in the sky that we saw that night uh didn't match up because that stuff moves too it oh, moves yeah. like clouds and so i have some weird warping that i've got to redo the pano sometimes it can do it better and what i was telling Venkat at our last uh workshop is that if you don't like the results of your pano process it again highlight them all go back to hit pano and uh, you'll see it'll do a different stitch the next time. And so it may, be even, it may even get smarter as you force it to do a different thing. You don't have to settle for the first stitch if you don't like it. You can actually do it again. And I think it will actually improve uh, the second time or third time because I think it's going through an algorithm and it's going to be a little bit variable and different. And even from his images, we can swap back and forth. You can see there's warping that was different in certain spots uh, from stitch to stitch. And so don't be happy. Don't don't settle for the first stitch if you don't like it. You know that's a nice little tip. There is uh, stitch it again, stitch it five times if you need to. Right. You know? So, yeah. so when it comes to panoramas, we'll quickly summarize those two tips as nodal slide not necessary, but the gimbal is really fantastic way to mm-hmm. do panoramas. It's just a leveling a nice, base is definitely awesome. awesome to have. Leveling base is far more important and far like more wonderful. And yeah. she said she got hers from Sony Photo for eighty dollars. So yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. And the other tip summary was get your white balance set for Milky Photography that you like and stay there because you will change it. Every one of my images have a different, you know, color temperature once I've white balanced it and done my processing. It just has a different by, you know, hundreds or even a couple thousand. It's just somewhere between 3,800 and 44 or 50, never 5,000, but... Mm. Somewhere cooler. That's just where I like it personally. Yeah. yeah. But uh, don't worry about anything other than picking one, staying consistent. It'll make it easier when you go to new places to see if things are working out the way you expect. If you're doing light painting, you can see what's happening in a way that you expect. It's mm. just it's mm-hmm. just stay consistent. Stay consistent. Right. right. So, um, oh boy, what are we doing on time? Because this is just like a free flowing tech test and having fun talking. We're 52 minutes into this recording, but I believe the first five minutes was before we went live. So we Mm -hmm. should say 42 minutes we have so far. So we are doing okay, but we're getting close to the end. So we answered those questions. Um, (laughs) From the previous question, they asked misadventures. What kind of misadventure for a gear? And uh, Kurt Kai starts listing off, well, total count of destroyed gear right now. What is your total count? Tires, engines, drones. Uh, (laughs) You want to give us those numbers? They're not high. They're just, unfortunately, all of them are on that list. Okay, so the numbers themselves of incidences aren't that high, but the amount of money is pretty (laughs) flipping high at this point. Ten grand yet? A dead engine, a gone drone. The drone was like three grand. Okay, so that engine's it. three thousand, four thousand on a the engines. The engines three thousand plus labor. So that's another five. So you're looking at seven, couple tires. You know, uh, that Those was hundreds free. of dollars. No, that was I was discount tires. You or? always get the hazard, man. It's worth the twelve bucks because <laughs> when you blow two tires in a weekend and they only cost you twelve dollars to replace them, it's beautiful. <laughs> so that in itself wasn't the tires weren't too bad, but the the blown engine and the 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 ditch drone. That's uh. Those are the big, those are the big money hits right there. 
So we have some good questions in here that are going to take a little bit more time to answer that we'll just say for another day. Mm. But uh, let's talk a little bit our last, like a couple stories from our last Escalante adventure. Mm. And show me, um, show them this that. One, that light right there, the this newer. This only has the white one because the orange one for this one is in a hole. Totally lost it. <laughs> and I think we did mention that in the podcast already that I lost it. But uh, there was a part of the adventure that we didn't talk about specifically that I'll talk about mine. And then if you have anything that comes up, you mentioned yours next. Okay. But uh, for workshops, if you're going to come to a workshop, oh, man, it's really hard to make sure that you get your right gear. And I know mm. that Venkots, he had an awesome camera set up but he had to borrow a tripod from someone and the tripod was really not that great for what we were going to do. Mm. And it's like, why let him go around with that okay tripod that we struggled with? It did no L bracket capabilities. We oh, knew we were new panoramas yeah. and do a lot of switching back and forth from vertical orientation to the landscape. So it Ven- would really slowed him down. Yeah. yeah. So Venkat or borrowed the Faisal and the Faisal in the last couple weeks, we're going to talk about this in detail after I have a chance to talk to Faisal, but one of my legs, it, hmm, yeah, I guess I have no idea which one. I'm thinking this one. One of my legs, uh, the leg comes all the way out. There are these rings Instead in here. Instead of stopping. Instead of stopping, it yeah. comes all the way out, and it's it's sort of easy to fix, but also a little annoying to fix to make sure it's working right, and to do it in the dark, it's no fun at all. Yeah. So I had a friend who lost his Faisal leg right at the beginning of going out at dance hall at uh, Goblin Devil's Garden the Friday before the workshop. And then I had it happen to me that same night on our first night of the workshop. Mm. And Venkut was borrowing this Faisal, and it's fantastic. It's far more sturdy than his tripod, but it's not as sturdy as the really right stuff, giant legs, you know, Mm. those that Nicole had. They're just so great. Or the Manfrotto. I mean, they've got it's heavier and they're aluminum legs, but uh, this they don't flex it's at the sturdy, end. Sturdy man. You were that working with Venkot at one point. You know, flexing, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this thing flexes a lot. Like mine doesn't flex at all. Like that's crazy. And it's only when you're at the widest, all legs fully right. out, and you put them down, and they just kind of flex on the rocks right. at the bottom or the sand or the dirt. Yeah. They had really good, strong control. Uh, being planted in the ground, they don't have the problem of flexing. It's not like they flex while I'm using it. It's just right. you're trying to get it set up and you fill up, move, and yeah. flex on you. Yeah. But make sure you have a good tripod when you come to a workshop that you know you can trust and make sure you have an L bracket. Yeah. So the, what we're talking about is it would when I said it would have slowed him down, when you're working with the Milky Way, you have a certain amount of time. And so you don't want to waste your time fiddling with a junky tripod get yourself an l bracket because when you want to do a pano you want to take that thing off flip it put it back and then start doing your pano you do not want to be fumbling around trying to turn it and twist it and your ball head's all wonky and then you got to do this some crazy you're gonna have crazy parallaxing if you're gonna do a pano with your ball head sitting all the way to the side so i mean it's just there's just some crazy stuff that will happen get yourself an L bracket and like arc a Swiss mount because man, that'll just save you so much time to having to switch back, switch back and forth. Once I get an L bracket, man, I never look back. Never, mm-hmm. ever, ever thought, uh, maybe the old way was that. Nope. Never had that thought. Once I put an L bracket on, it was done, <laughs> done and done. So trust me guys, uh, find an L bracket for your 
um, for your camera and get an Arca Swiss mount for it, and you will never regret it. Seriously, I never look back. So Escalante 2, I want to add in the advice of getting a good vehicle they can get out there. It's not mm. a bad road right now. Yeah, it's actually a lot better. They've improved it, it feels, a little bit. It felt so much better than last time we went through there. But it might have been by virtue of being in your Saturn Outlook versus in that truck. Brand new Ford F-150. Ford yeah. F-150, good big tires, and it's just a much better experience. Yeah. So when you're driving through Escalante and you're going to go down that dirt road, come ready to be driving 45, 60 miles per hour through some of those areas to get the smoothest ride that you can get as you got that. Uh, it's a little risky. It's a little hairy, but yeah. <sighs> there's there's sections where you got to slow down before the corners and not do it all at the last second. Mm, yeah. And I surprised Kathy Hennahan twice, I think, on the same rock on the way back between Devil's Garden and the o entrance. There's this one section that on the way back, it's, really it's right before you go yeah. down a hill. And so on the way up, you don't notice it because you're going slow up the hill anyway. And then when you're coming down, you've got a long stretch of straight road. And then all of a sudden, you see just a slight bump. And if you hit... <laughs> Hit it! I sent her flying to the top of the roof of the vehicle. It was a quite a huge bump. I mean, yeah. I went ba boom ba boom, and the front was up and the back was down, and everything was doing a complete seesaw, teeter totter craziness. Yeah, yeah. The first time was really bad. <laughs> oh, so I kept trying to avoid it every other trip, and it would always come in the last I second. I think you did a pretty good job avoiding it after that, but the first time, wow, we, <sighs> nobody expected it, so it just rocked us. And all. it always surprised me, like, oh, that's it. That's probably yeah. it. And I'd move over to the left and slow down as fast as I could without slamming on the brakes. And, <laughs> oh, it's nuts. So be prepared for a bumpy road. Like if you're mm. pregnant, I don't think that's a great road to go on. You're pregnant. You don't want bouncing around your uterus and just, it's just not a I, great situation mm. for certain back pain health. I wouldn't recommend it for people who just don't like a bumpy ride. And it's a pretty bumpy ride. Yeah. Typically, yeah. And when you go from even that closest hotel lodge right there, the Canyon Country Lodge, it's a half an hour into Devil's Garden. Mm -hmm. It's an hour long to Dance Hall Rock and an hour and 40 minutes to go from the front all the way down to where you park for the Sunset Arch hike. Yeah, it's nuts. It's just crazy how long yeah. that road is. It's one third of the trip from Salt Lake to Escalante just to get on the road there, the dirt road in Escalante to go to another landmark. It's that so crazy. Far. It's such a big monument. You just don't think about how. Yeah. I mean, an hour and a half, guys on a road that's dirt road it's crazy but once you get to the location wow is it worth it <laughs> yeah so you got to make sure you have good wheels good car good experience to just kind of take it on we went into four-wheel drive just to keep a little more traction as mm -hmm. it's kind of sandy and slippery a lot of fun but ay -yi -yi. i was expecting so much worse and it ended up being just great yeah, I think having a new car really helps. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and new shops. Everyone buy a new vehicle before you go to Escalante. That's good advice. Or for us rent to get. one. You know, just rent a four wheel drive. You'll be good. <laughs> so, do you have anything from Escalante that you wanted to bring up? The adventure of it, the photography, how it went. I mean, we talked about how it went in the last podcast. Yeah, but I mean, I'm processing my images right now, and um, I'm starting to get to some of them. Aaron didn't always take a single shot. Did you even get a single shot that whole workshop? No, no, because I loaned out the tripod, the tripod. And so I didn't have any way of holding the camera. And so I was light guy. I so was like, light a, guy. So, yeah, he was a great light guy, guy. For, the, for the workshop. I was half light guy and half uh, photographer next to the other guys to help them. I took a couple shots myself. Someone had a question. I'd be right there next to them to help them solve their problem. Um, so I think it worked out pretty well. Oh, yeah, I like it. I but think like it's a good. dummy, I did not... 
borrow right. his 5D Mark IV. One of I the just questions. used my totally old instead. One of the questions mm. was, how are we liking the 5D Mark IV versus the 6D I'm or the so 5D dumb, Mark III? I should have been using chance. this the whole week. I should yeah. have been using the whole week, and I would have probably really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just didn't do it. Just wasn't even thinking about it. Even though we talked about it the next day, I still didn't even borrow taking it. Right. So, um, next time that happens, I definitely will. But I don't know if you'll you'll probably be using it next time. So um, just sign up for Patreon, guys, and help us get another Mark IV. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to him. He'll buy his own Mark IV. He's no, doing a lot of good own. work. <laughs> I, I, I am, uh, I'll eventually get there. I've got a lot of stuff on eBay right now. So. <laughs> Rhonda says she loves her really right stuff, L-Bracket. I bet she does. I mean, yeah. you bought a really expensive L-Bracket, too. My yeah. Sunway Photo one is fantastic, and you got a Sunway Photo. And I've got a Sunway Photo from, for my uh, for my uh, battery grip, too. It's a yeah, bigger gigantic. one. And it was still a good deal, and I really appreciate it. So I uh, Sunway Photo got good quality. They, they seem to have quality aluminum pieces and good cuts and uh yeah i'm happy with it so so let's talk about the thing we did not mention at all in the last podcast about the workshop because after the workshop was over we did a bonus night that was awesome yeah and we're gonna talk about that before we go into gear time so let's talk about fairy land Land point yes Fairyland point in bryce canyon if you guys own the royce bear ebook um i was doing a contest and i haven't actually given anyone the conditions of the contest so we haven't done the contest yet Mm. so i last live broadcast we were said oh there's we'll talk about that at the end and then i thought there's it and that was the contest oh, so at the end okay. of this we'll talk about the contest how you can earn your copy your free copy of the Royce Bear ebook okay but if you've been through it you've seen these pictures of oh you know I should probably pull them up talk about the point while I find it on here I'm gonna go okay for it. so uh, if you've been to Canyon and it's the very first turn off before you even enter the park it's like the free area which is yeah. amazing yeah I guess it really is it's before the gate it's before the gate it's the first turn off before the gate. And I think it's the only turn off before the gate. So Fairyland Point is just one of those places besides, sorry, besides coming in from uh, Cannonville uh, direction. Tropic. Tropic and Cannonville area. If you're coming in that way, there is another free point where you can park. Usually it's where you see the tour buses because they're cheap. They don't want to pay the entrance fees. So they park the tour buses there and then they can hike up and do some cool stuff there. And then Fairland Point is on the other side of that. We were up on that ridge and you can see the other free area down in the trees. Um, those two areas are like the only free areas that I know besides like Red Canyon that are part of Bryce. And uh, Fairland Point is a really cool spot because you've got this instant canyon at your feet. Literally, you come out of the car and you like walk like like a hundred yards and you're like there and uh, there's a trail going down around it and it just drops off really fast and then has these pinnacles coming up like crazy. Uh, Typical classic Bryce Canyon voodoo pinnacles. Yeah. And which is fantastic and beautiful. And they're, they're, they're orange and white stripes. And uh, so, yeah, Um, great place. I would say it was difficult to set up the lighting. Even we had help from the ebook on how to do the lighting. And I'm going to explain that here in a second, yeah. but that's also one of the great benefits of it because unlike Bryce Canyon, where you have this grandma that shows all the things, all the really cool hoodoos. It's a lot more intimate, right? It's, it's very closer. intimate. It's a yeah. small little space. You yeah. can actually get two lights out there and light a vast amount of them all in the frame with the Milky Way over there in the mm-hmm. southeast, south. And it makes it so much easier to light paint and enjoy. And I think it's about the only area that I would unless you hike down in. 
Yeah. It's the only place you can do like that. Right, right. Yeah, without having to hike down and place lights in certain areas, which which would be really fun to do sometime. Um, This is when you just park the lights on the trail as you go down to the spot you want to take a picture of. So it was very, uh, very handy. It's always 10 degrees cooler than you think it's going to be. Yeah. So if you think it's going to be 50, it's really going to be 40. Okay, that place gets cold. Even in the middle of summer, <laughs> when we were there last year, two years ago now. Wow, two years ago. Um, it was freezing that first night, freezing cold. And it wasn't until the next night we went down into the actual canyon to do Milky Way down there. It was much warmer. But, uh, yeah, so be prepared. Have some extra warm clothing. Two layers of pants, if no pants, to go over your knees. Uh, don't wear shorts. You're going to regret it. You know, at night when you're shooting Milky Way, it cools down. Bryce is actually a higher elevation than uh, a lot of the surrounding areas. You actually go up to Bryce Canyon. So uh, it's like 10,000 feet higher or something like that. Maybe I don't know 5, the exact numbers. Higher, I just but know that the elevation it's significantly being higher, higher. it's so much colder. Yeah, it's at least 2,000 feet higher than the, than the other areas that you're going to be going around. Like if you go down to Goblin Valley, you're dipping down. You're going down lower and it's really warm at night, but... Um, unless you go out in the beginning of the season or the very late, late, of the, late into the season. But, right. Um, but yeah, Bryce Canyon's cold, so prepare for that. Leave it to Brendan to make sure you guys know what place is cold. That's one of your favorite points. Not a fan of the cold unless <laughs> I'm prepared. If I'm prepared, I'm fine. We were that night, except that we left things. We had lots of warm oh stuff. Oh, gosh, I know. I left Kathy, a at home. Thank you like, so oh. much. Kathy was awesome. She needed to buy a hoodie anyway. And right. she was nice enough to say, you know, what? I'll buy it here at Bryce Canyon and get a cool Bryce Canyon hoodie and then loaned it out to me because I left my fleece. You always want that fleece layer over your under- undergarments that are, you know, not, you know, cotton. They're synthetic. You want the synthetics on you. You want a fleece layer insulating between a windbreaker layer, right? Yeah. Uh, I left the fleece layer back in the hotel thinking I'm not going to need anything out of this box. I know. And, geez, that was a big forget. And so Kathy saved me there. Mm-hmm. Buying that hoodie was awesome. Thank you, Kathy. This is miserable. I mean, oh. if you're out 40 degrees and the wind's blowing like it does at Bryce constantly. Yeah. It's the wind chill. It gets down to, like, practically freezing. You know, like 35 degrees is practically freezing, right? So it's like, well, yeah. yeah. Life pretty much sucks. If you shoot Milky Way for two hours <laughs> and you're freezing. It's not right. fun. You don't want to be there. So, you know, just saying. <laughs> just just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so with the benefit of having this path, this hiking path right off of a parking lot, you really can quickly get in position mm-hmm. to put up two lights on tripods. Make sure you bring tripods. Have yeah, those yeah. lights on separate tripods. I mean, this one's connected to And the higher the light one. stand, the better. If you can get an eight-foot light stand, get it. Bring it. Because I'm pretty sure that's what Royce is going with. And wow, uh, you need that height. And what are the reasons that you benefit from the height? The height gives you more flexibility with your lighting. You can go, you can, and, and especially uh, you want to be able to tilt it too. So get a tilting base like this and get some really good height. Because if you can get some good height and tilt it down, look at look at this. These things are like these things are like eight feet high, and he's tilting them down so you get less shadow and you get better coverage you if get you're over higher. the objects that are closest to you mm-hmm. you get over them and you don't cast shadows farther in the foreground right and so uh this image just looks great um and i wish mine did look that great because we really struggled to get an image to look as good as his so royce is a huge 
person. And I'm going to come up with this picture so that you have to buy the book to see it. But you can see right there for a moment that this is where he put the lights. He, he mm-hmm. actually shows you from Google Earth, uh, Google Maps, and says here, here, and here. And so we were literally walking, myself and Venkat, and we were like, okay, look for this bush, by this bush, and this bush. It's on this curve. And I would follow the GPS on my phone. We get there, and they, okay, this is where Royce put the first light, mm-hmm. and this is where Royce put the next light. And it's fantastic. And it's just what, what in the beginning, it wasn't quite there. Nicole was we mentioning. We some tweaks, yeah. It bright, but we thought it was These bright. bright. I don't even know if ours were even this bright. These things well, are brighter. If you shoot than into them, they'll look like that, but we yeah. got them there. Mm. Because in the beginning, it was just a little too dark. And sometimes yeah, yeah. you're thinking, I want this to be subtle, low-level lighting. You go home yeah, and find out that all your foreground is so dark that you have to bring too it damn. up in post. Yeah. And if you bring it up in post too much, you're going to regret all the noise you're bringing in there. Right, right. So Expose properly. Go up a little bit. Make sure your foreground is being seen. And just jacking it up a little bit more. Just turning up the wheel on this, you know, mm-hmm. the dial. Just up a little bit more on each dial one. Dial it in, guys. It was <laughs> a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was doing panos. They were doing long panos and just going through here. And yet they had to do a whole nother set of panels because that light with the new light oh, was so much better. Right, Just right. brought out the foreground. You had some definition between these hoodoos and the distant hoodoos. And it became fantastic. And so if you're going to be in the area and you have a Milky Way night, there's moon in the way, go out to Fairyland Point. Yeah. It is really exceptional if you have a light painting. We had a question on our Q&A saying, what kind of light painting equipment are you guys using? We're going to talk about that in gear time here in a sec. And just this is a great place for you to go and do it. Capture a really cool it's, it's interesting. It's below the horizon. All the detail and interesting character stuff is all below the horizon, and the Milky Way is all above the horizon. And it's just a cool, cool shot. Yeah. I just found a title to tell him about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe he fixed it. Is it that S right yes. there? <laughs> There's an extra S. <laughs> so get the Royce Bear ebook. The link will be down below. And if you're going to want to wait, we're going to tell you about that here after gear time. Anything else you want to add in on this story before we go to gear sounds time? Sounds good. No, sounds good. Are there any questions pending from you guys, you awesome guys hanging out with us late at night doing the live broadcast? And either nothing's updating on here or you haven't had any questions. So wait. Oh, ooh, a little few things bumped in and went away. And then, okay, nope. Looks like that was just me scrolling around. So let's go into gear time. And I'm having the first time ever. Oh, yeah. We've got an animation. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Gear Time. So um, as you're as you're watching the video or see the new splash screen for Gear Time and uh, great job, Brendan. This is awesome. Really yeah. cool work of yours. Yeah. Well, thank you. I had some again. help from some internets uh, and uh, my <laughs> own creativity. So I enjoyed I enjoyed doing that. So um, we're going to talk about light panels and the difference between the cheap ones and the expensive ones, and the a more expensive big ones. difference in price. Oh my God! Yeah, the newer one you're holding right there is thirty dollars. Thirty bucks. Okay. And that's not include. And it's not including the battery. It's just the box. Okay. It comes with the gel panels up front, and, and it does gels. come with an adapter back, right? For oh, it does. Oh, it has a built in the back. Okay, it has built in. So you can either put A's, double double A's, right? One, two, three, four, five, six double yeah. A's. Six double A's. So this fits six double A's. The F and V actually fits also six, I think. Yeah, six. And the FMV is quite a bit smaller. I mean, look at that size difference. Yeah, it's, it is. The FMV is like the size of the back of this thing. It's like seventy-five percent smaller or something. If I could guess a random yeah. number. Um, but let's look at the LEDs themselves. Uh, the FMV has 
It does have fewer LEDs, but I think they're better quality. Much better. LEDs. You get high CRI um, LED bulbs that don't cast a color. Yeah. And so they're much better. When you take off your diffuser and you don't take off the orange gel, the light that's hitting the subject is not going to cast a color, a blue, cold color, or a warm color. It casts nothing. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing that the number CN-160 on the new newer brand yes. is 160 LEDs, where this is 96. So there's quite a few more LEDs with the newer but um, it just, um, it's just, I mean, it's 30 bucks versus 100 bucks, right? Yeah, I and mean, they work great. I mean, the big challenge, and if I jump the gun on you saying it, sorry, it's just this right here is so difficult to dim compared to the back of the F&B. Yes, that's the big thing with the electronics. You get um, the dimmer on the newer is just clunkier. It's just not as good as a, of a circuit. The lowest setting is still not terribly low. I would say that if you are a hardware hacker and you want to um, switch out the dimmer with a more high quality component, I would do that. I would take this thing apart literally and change out the dimmer and maybe even a couple of capacitors and allow it to dim even more. So maybe we can hack these things, but is it worth? No, no. So that's, is it worth the time to hack two of these? Because all you got to do right? to fix the dimness is just go a little further away from your subject, and if you have that opportunity, right. just go further away or tilt it back further on the tripod. Tilt it up, right? Tilt it up to the sky, off. and you have more fall off coming off the light this way, and not so hot spot bright coming directly at it, right? So that's another tip: is you you aim this up. This is another Royce Bear tip that we love uh, love him for sharing this knowledge with us. Is uh, I think maybe you'd flip this around because it doesn't seem. Oh, there we go. Tilt it up like this, and that way the bottom of the light spills off to your subject, and you get a nice, uh, more subtle look, and not that harsh highlight that uh, you're trying to avoid. So, when you're dealing with the batteries that you use for these, they're these Sony batteries that are fantastic, and it's kind of a third-party knockoff that I'm using. Mm -hmm. This is the giant one, right. and that just has infinite life. You just practically never notice when it when it's ready to be done. We use this exact battery on our Escalante workshop and it's still running great. Mm -hmm. We did end up emptying one, but that's because we didn't charge it before we left because they're so good. They last forever. They're just so heavy. On the yeah. newer ones, it fits a little bit better. It doesn't have as much weight, but on the FNVs and so small, this battery is just so heavy. I like using the smaller size for it because mm. I'm usually able to get away with three, four hours and not need anything else. Right. Yeah. We typically don't need lighting for six hours. You know, like Very I don't think rarely. we've ever had even a situation where time we've been lapses, out for six. That's about it. Day to night time lapses. Yeah. If we do that, and we haven't even and even done then it you yet, won't need the light because once the sun rises, you don't need the light anyways. Uh, it's just to keep nice to keep it consistent yeah know, so they all work the exact same um connecting them working with the battery how the gels work in the front are sliding in these tabs and in yeah. this one they're magnet but for an extra 120 dollars you wouldn't buy it for the magnet feature right you're buying it for the high cri led bulbs and you're buying it for the low color cast and honestly when we were out there at Dancehall Rock with the orange, at one point it seemed too orange. Way too orange, yeah. Then we took it off, and it became way too cool. It yeah. was a blue light, a blue-white, very It's almost like I wish they had a yellow filter instead of a orange, or yes. at least a yellow to add to the, you know, if they had three of these, 
a white, yellow, and orange, then we could have toned it perfectly, I think. Oh, yeah, and you can easily make that on your own with all sorts of options of mm-hmm. cellophane or whatever. Yeah. And you can make it get a nice color cast. And yeah. with the rocks, it's better. It brings out the orange rock yeah, so much Yeah, if you're nicer. doing red rock, you don't want to use this, and you don't want to use this. You want to use something that's kind of in between, right? Yeah, so it's fantastic. Yeah. So on gear time, talking about these, answering his question. Oh, whose question was it? Let's give you credit for it. I think it was... <gasps> JR? No, not JR. AR. AR Fenton. He was asking about it. And so what we use to light our foreground are these types of LED panels because we can dim them, because we can change them up on a tripod, and they're crazy light to hike with. Right. They're pretty light. Small little rectangle boxes. Mm -hmm. Very durable. And the fact that these little lights, uh, batteries, work great in these lights, and we can go for hours with them. And these are the Sony... um that's PN. a knockoff, isn't it? Or is that a Sony one? Yeah, it's, one? it's the NP. It's the NP-F9 series. So that's is the these somehow like are the industry standard for so many pieces of equipment now. Hmm. I mean, if you're gonna power battery power like a um, a little LCD screen, it's gonna have this kind of connection in the back. I mean, it's just these just buy. I mean, if you're gonna do these kind of things, you're gonna end up buying a couple of these. But they're so like universal now. Yeah. Apparently, this is like the industry standard battery for uh, any kind of remote powering stuff. So, um, so yeah, the it's the, it's the NP-F series uh, battery, whether it's a 970 or 950 or 930, that's capacity. So, the 970 is the bigger one like this. The 950 is like a third of the size. 930 is like the third of the size. So, uh, yeah, and they're all compatible with these uh, same plugins. So, yeah, it's good. Awesome. I just walked away from the camera, walked away off scene so that I could get something. Talk about the patrons. want to thank them. So before we end the podcast and talk about the contest, thank you, patrons. Thank you so much for being patrons of Photog Adventures. All of you guys, we've mentioned every one of your names, and we'll mention them again in the next podcast coming up. But if you haven't received your stickers, if you haven't given us your physical mailing address, make sure you message us on Patreon or on Facebook, anywhere you can. Get a hold of Brendan or myself, and we will ship these out to you. You'll get one of these guys, the bumper sticker. Looks awesome. Mm -hmm. We had it on Kathy's computer. looked freaking amazing. (laughs) And then you also have an opportunity. Oh, hey, what's the screen for? Oh, that's right. You also have the opportunity of using (laughs) opportunity. I'm thinking in my head to say something. Aaron say something and it's just like didn't come out anything that made any sense (laughs) then you also get these other size stickers and so you get better ones to fit on certain things like this mic I got a small one on the mic I put this size one no I don't put this size one on my laptop I put this size one on my laptop medium size okay yeah I love the medium size so you get three sizes stickers and you have a milkywayphotographers.com that is just about ready I got some cool Mm. graphics that I was shown today from our artist okay he hasn't sent them to me in Dropbox. I have to give him a Dropbox folder still, okay. but I'll share them with you, Brendan. Cool. They're just there looking really cool. Think think the Tyler Nordgren posters sort of style. Really cool stuff. If you know who that off. is. Yeah, just okay. Google Tyler Nordgren Park National Parks posters, cool. and you'll know what I'm talking about. Cool. He's a comic book artist, the guy I'm working with. He's a buddy of mine, and it's looking really close. Nice. To really cool stuff like that. So patrons, if you haven't gotten your stickers, let us know. And once you do... And once we have, you know, maybe some other logos, we'll send it your way. Perhaps other projects, hint, hint, that are coming Mm up. And once we have milkyphotographers.com and you have your stickers earned, we'll be sending those to you and your badges. So we're excited about that. 
excited about getting all those things for you. One of the things we wanted to talk about was what's coming up in Photog Adventures in the future, and we will save that for the next podcast. So let's talk about the challenge. The challenge is a Milky Way. It's just ended, full moon, just ended. So what you need to do is get a Milky Way shot. And the challenge will be that that Milky Way shot is somewhere that you have never gone before. So first time experience Milky Way. First time experience. If you've been to Bryce Canyon and you send me a Bryce Canyon picture and that was your third or fourth time at Bryce Canyon, boo, no, you're not going to win. But if you go and find this really cool rusty vehicle that's out there on a dark sky site and you've never taken a picture of that, Mm -hmm. capture it. If you have not so light pollution, but you capture some of the Milky Way in there and you've never tried it before, that could win. Mm -hmm. And so we have, I was going to give away one copy, but let's give away two. Okay. Let's give away two copies of Royce Bear's ebook. Just give us a Milky Way shot. Now, how you're gonna how you're gonna give it to us? What you're gonna do is, um, you know, in the past we've thought about putting it on our Facebook page, but let's put it back into the listeners group. So if you're not okay. a member of the listeners group, you'll have to join it to get in there. Join the listeners group. Answer the questions so our admins know that you're a legit person, not one of those crazy fake Facebook accounts. Mm. And so we know why you know mm-hmm. us and where you've heard about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And go in there, join the group, and then there's going to be a thread for Milky Way contest for the Royce Bear eBooks. And so I'll put up there nice. again, remind people a Milky so we, Way you've never June captured. Contest? Yeah, the June okay. contest. Let's okay. do it. June Milky Way contest, someplace that you've never shot a Milky Way before. Okay. So I can't go to the Silo or Trestle. I've been there. Right. I have to go somewhere new. I can't okay. go to Francis Peak and get that light polluted version because we've done it. Right. It has to be somewhere I've never been. You can try one of the canyons by my house where Brian goes. We've to seen some it. of her shots and we have, mm. haven't never done it there. I'd so. love to have Dr. Richards back on again. I wonder how she's doing. Yeah, Brian Richards, good. awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's the contest. Come on to Facebook. Go to our Photog Adventures listeners. If you want to submit for the contest and you are just definitely opposed to having a Facebook account, understand. Just send us an email at photogadventures at gmail.com mm-hmm. and we'll put your picture in there for the running. Okay. And then we'll have our admins help us choose. We'll have all of them on. We'll pick our favorites. Maybe you throw Rusty Parkhurst in there again, like old times. Like, yeah, Because he's awesome. Yeah. And let's go through these. And so we'll have Kurt Kais and Rob with us. All the members of Photog Adventures will probably throw in Jeff Peterson, the other admins, yeah. and Rusty Parkers. Why mm-hmm. not? Because these guys have been big and part of this chunk, part of this whole project. So awesome! <sighs> I'm running out of breath. My legs are killing me standing up next to this. It's time My to call back it a night. Is sore, and I am ready to get out from underneath this light. Okay. So I'm good night. Sweating. And we good started night, guys. this podcast an hour and 15 minutes ago live. Hope you guys enjoyed live. Those of you who've fallen asleep by now, come back, watch the replay. <sighs> It'll be on our Facebook page, Photog Adventures page. If you haven't liked it yet, throw us a like. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Because we're we like just likes. barely over 800 now, and we could get to 1,000. Easy. We can get to 1,000. Yeah. There's a thousand of you out there that like this. So if you can't go there, boom. Thanks so much for watching the, listening to the podcast, watching the podcast for you guys. Thank you guys for giving us feedback and going on iTunes and Stitcher and giving us reviews. We appreciate you guys. We love you. Episode 80, Brendan. Episode 80. Thanks. Here's to another 80, man. Thanks Russians for uh, blowing up our Instagram account. This (laughs) last uh, couple, I don't know, 32 hours, 48 hours. It's been nuts. So since that video came out, uh, we've had a lot of love from Russia, and so it's been pretty exciting. So uh, if you <laughs> are not uh, on Instagram and you want to get on Instagram, go download it, 
put on your phone, sign up as part of Facebook now. So it's all the same thing. Right. Um, if you are on Instagram, then go on and start following us because we've got a pretty sweet feed. I got to say, I, I'm the one that mostly curates it. You I've are the one who curates it. All of it's Brendan's work. I've had a lot of fun. So when you see posts and comments, they're usually from me. And uh, I sometimes put my name in there, but usually you just assume it's for me because <laughs> Aaron hardly ever gets on there. So no, that's your... it's, it's been a lot of fun working on that. That's been my project as, as this. And I've had a lot of fun watching that thing just grow. It's been really cool. So Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll do this once a month free and the patrons will get it twice a month. And we will keep doing video podcasts when we do our podcast because why not? Yeah. It's fun. So thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye.